Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Join us tomorrow, Tuesday, October 9th, at the Anchor Bar in downtown Detroit for Smart Politics. We're going to talk about the upcoming midterm elections and answer any questions you have about candidates, ballot measures, or the political mood in the state and the nation. Remember, that is tomorrow, October 9th at the Anchor Bar in downtown Detroit. We will get started at right around 6 p.m. Hope to see you there. Up first today, there is less than a month left before the November election, and Proposal 1 is going to ask voters to decide whether to legalize recreational marijuana in Michigan for adults age 21 and over. Already several states have done this, and they're cashing in on the tax revenue that stretches into the hundreds of millions. But it's also true that the states that have legalized have, in some cases, faced regulation challenges. And of course, marijuana remains illegal at the federal level. Today, we're going to talk to both sides of this issue. And of course, we want to hear from you. Are you voting for Proposal 1 in November? Or do you think legalization is a bad idea? And if so, tell us why. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. And joining us up first to talk about this ballot proposal is Scott Greenley. He is the president of Healthy and Productive Michigan, a group which is working to defeat Proposal 1 on the November ballot. Scott, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks very much for having me. Really appreciate it. So uh, let's start with you saying why you think this is a bad idea for Michigan. Well, there's so many things that are wrong with this proposal. As you noted, it's illegal uh, federally in the United States, which Michigan is still part of. Uh, We haven't seceded yet. And uh, I think it's crazy that that we are ignoring that since this isn't a Tenth Amendment states' rights issue. And I think it's crazy that other states have done that as well. Uh, But getting past that, you know, more marijuana around means more access to to kids, which, of course, is a problem. It uh, impacts uh, uh, children uh, much more dramatically than adults. And when we talk about the impact of today's marijuana, uh, the Woodstock weed, as it's called in the 70s, was uh, somewhere between 3 and 5% THC. This proposal would allow up to 99% THC edibles, cookies, candies, etc., to be processed and sold to anyone over 21. Uh, and that's a much stronger form of, uh, form of marijuana. It's a real problem. And we've all read articles in states that have gone down this path where kids have gotten into their neighbor's cookies and you know, not been aware of what they are, and and uh, that's that's obviously ended very badly with emergency room visits being up in states like Colorado since legalization. Not to mention drug driving, uh, the fact that our law enforcement folks don't have any way to really do a roadside test like they do with alcohol, and that's led to higher insurance rates in every state that's that's legalized recreational marijuana. And I don't know about you and your listeners, but I sure think I pay enough in auto insurance in this state. Hmm. Uh, so you're talking about some of the uh, negative effects that you've seen in other states, and those are great stories, uh, but they are anecdotal. And uh, let's talk so about some of the public health data that backs up some of your claims. Is there is there data that shows this has been calamitous in other states? 
You know, it's interesting. Just yesterday, uh, uh, or over the weekend, I should say, it may have been Saturday, there was a, uh, a national article that was released that talked about the fact that marijuana uh, really impacts brain development of, of young people. And, and this is something that's been widely known. Some of the pro-pot people will say, oh, it doesn't impact it very much. But the truth of the matter is, it can cost a young person who starts using anywhere between 6 and 20 IQ points. And that's been documented not only by some of the leading scientists and, and medical professionals here in America, but worldwide and, and globally. When you talk about emergency room visits and drug driving deaths, uh, and those very directly drug driving deaths, those numbers have doubled in the state of Colorado since marijuana has become recreationally available. And, and, and again, the big danger there is marijuana stays in your system for between 15 and 30 days, depending on, on your body and, and your physiological makeup, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So there's no real way to roadside test and tell if you're currently driving under the influence or if you had done something three weeks earlier. And that is a huge concern for, for our law enforcement. And that's something where marijuana will not only impact people as they use it, uh, because one thing even the pro-pot folks do agree on is, yes, it alters the mind. Yes, it is something that is impactful. That's why people choose to do it. I should say some people choose to do it. Uh, but then there's this whole other medical issue of, uh, of accidents and people uh, exercising bad judgment and, and uh, doing things that they normally wouldn't do, which put them and very disturbingly those around them in danger. So, so you talk about the danger to children, which I think nobody disputes. Um, why would legalizing marijuana for people age 21 and over lead to more child use of, of the drug? And, and I guess one of the things I would, I would point to is the way we regulate alcohol in, in our society and in, in every state. The drinking age is 21. Now, there are people who break that law and go buy booze before they're they're able to uh, but but legalize the fact that alcohol is legal doesn't lead to more uh, teenage drinking or child drinking uh, than, than if it were prohibited I mean this idea that prohibition is going to keep kids from using marijuana I think is, is not a I mean it's not a sub, uh, a fact that we can just accept what why do you why do you draw that connection sure. So, so first of all, I'll respectfully disagree and, and at least assume that if alcohol was not legally sold, if it was not in so many venues, whether it's bars, restaurants, party stores, grocery stores, et cetera, kids would have less access to it. So, so I think that but we tried prohibition in this country, and it was a disaster—not just for kids, but for adults. And, I mean, that and again, we're not. We're, we're, and again, we're not going to talk a whole lot about alcohol today because that's not on the ballot. But, but I think the assertion that uh, having alcohol around doesn't make it more accessible to children is inaccurate. Just like if there are weed stores on on every corner more of it's going to be around and more kids are going to have access to it. But really, this also runs into something that's disturbing and something that people think kind of goes away with legalization, and that's the black market. You know, there will always be people out there who are, are trying to profit, and there will always be people out there who say, you know, gee, this uh, this weed is, is so great, I should let my little brother have it, or I should let, you know, my neighbor's kid have it, or what have you. Mm -hmm. and, and what the police departments, especially in Colorado, and I keep referring to Colorado because we have a five-year case study there, 
whereas some of these other states are just kind of dabbling into it now, sure. like California. So, so the black market uh, actually thrives in, in places like Denver. If you take a look at youth arrests and providing young people with the drug, uh, those numbers are actually going up. More of it being around means more access for kids, and, and that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Scott Greenlee. He's president of Healthy and Productive Michigan. He is part of a group that is working to defeat Proposal 1 on the November ballot, which would legalize recreational marijuana for adults age 21 and up in Michigan. Uh, we want to hear from you this hour. We were talking all hour about Proposal 1, the merits, the drawbacks. Uh, what do you think about legalizing marijuana in the state? Is it time that we did that? Uh, or do you plan to vote no on Proposal 1? Uh, or are you one of the people who is just kind of undecided, trying to take in information from both sides to make up your mind. Uh, call us and tell us why. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, let's start with Tobias in Ferndale. Tobias, welcome to Detroit Today. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to mention that, A, the, the research that was done, the lowering your IQ points, there is some counter-research there. It's just saying that basically people with lower IQ have a higher need for finding alternatives, I guess. <laughs> oh. um, also, I interestingly, I'm born and raised in Amsterdam and Midlands, and now there is a saliva test that actually did get authorized. And um, I would say that's why I'm pro-legalization, is because I would... Uh, <laughs> bring free funds to research any of the negatives that goes against it. Hmm. Uh, okay, Tobias, I appreciate, uh, appreciate the call and, and the comments. Uh, uh, let's go to Tom in northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, good morning. Mm-hmm. I'm going to vote no, uh, no on it, um, but, I, but it's going to pass, and I believe it's going to pass overwhelmingly. But, I mean, you know, I don't think we need to legalize, you know, we've got enough legalization with the alcohol and what have you. And my whole thing is this, in terms of, you know, people and their employment, uh, you know, these companies still have, you know, laws, I mean, for lack of a better way to say it, about, you know, people coming in with sure. substances. Rules, right? I mean, you, yeah, can, exactly. you can drug test I people. Mean, just and... because it's legal doesn't mean that, okay, well, I can go to work you know, blasted and that kind of thing. And, you know, at some point people become their own worst enemy. Hmm. Uh, Tom, I appreciate the call. Uh, yeah, there's the there's no doubt about that. Um, you, you know, the only thing that I would doubt that he said is that it's sure to pass because polls uh, have shown since May, with the exception of a couple outlier polls, that this thing is within the margin of error. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems as more people find out the dangers of marijuana and what's really gone on in Colorado, the more people are, are voicing their, their opposition to that. The, the drug testing thing with regard to companies is a real big issue because mm-hmm. there are some jobs where you cannot be even slightly impaired. You know, your school bus driver, your heavy machinery operator, your emergency personnel in hospitals and things like that. They, they will always drug test and have a zero tolerance level as they should. But many other companies will choose to be drug-free, and as we know, companies will have that opportunity. It's really caused hiring and employment problems in Colorado, which is why the Michigan Chamber and most other business groups are, are opposed to this. In fact, I don't know one business group or one chamber that supports legalizing recreational marijuana. They're either all against it 
or they're neutral on the issue. Yeah. Uh, before we get back to the phones, Scott, I want to talk a little about the criminalization of marijuana and the way that it has disproportionately affected people of color. Uh, people of color are more likely to be jailed and prosecuted uh, for the use or, or sale of marijuana than others, even though uh, the statistics show that they use pot at roughly the same rate as white people. This is, uh, this is reflective of other disproportionate uh, treatment in the justice system, of course. Why shouldn't that alone, though, be a reason to rethink marijuana prohibition? Well, it's interesting, and, and we're not rethinking it. It's, it's against the law, and it's, it's actually the other side that's trying to change it. So it's, it's not a, uh, a prohibition argument, even though the pro-pot guys like to characterize it that way. It's essentially upholding the status quo and, and keeping things as they currently are. In terms of the uh, uh, arrest situation, there, there's a couple things about that. First of all, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in prison and a lot of people in jail that have marijuana uh, in their file, you know, so, so they're in jail and they've done marijuana. But what you'll find if you dig a little bit deeper is that very, very, very few of those individuals are in jail for marijuana or in prison for marijuana. Uh, let's say that I leave this studio in downtown Lansing today and I, I go 80 miles an hour down this road that's a 35 mile an hour zone. Well, the police are going to pull me over. Then let's say, in addition to speeding, I don't have any insurance. Well, that's my second violation. Then let's say they smell some marijuana and they've got probable cause to take a look in the car. That's my third violation. When they find, uh, let's just say, a half ounce or an ounce of marijuana. Then they open the trunk and they find three unregistered weapons. Now, am I going to jail? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Am I going to jail because I had marijuana? Absolutely not. Most of those situations of simple possession or simple individual use uh, that result in people winding up behind bars are probation violations or more serious crimes that are discovered in the investigation. Right, but but the, the fact that marijuana is illegal does give police an entree to get to these other issues. And, and as, as I pointed out, uh, that is, is inflicted in disproportionate terms. Right. Isn't that Yeah, something- and I'm so glad you... Yeah, yeah and I'm so glad you came back to that, and, and, and you're right, because uh, at the end of the day, again, if you take a look in Colorado, uh, arrests for marijuana possession and use, which still happen, of course, because there are limits as to how much you can have, mm-hmm. they've actually gone down in suburbs, and they've gone up in the inner cities. It's, it's indisputable. Uh, you can take a look at the uh, Colorado Attorney General's uh, uh, website and any type of uh, crime reporting and crime statistics conglomerators that Colorado uses. So, so even though it has been quote unquote legalized in Colorado, you will still see from a proportionate basis the same type of, of situation happening, which tells me that unfortunately it's, it's not something that can be easily fixed or, or easily uh, uh, corrected through legalization and commercialization and, and making it uh, more available to everyone. Instead, it kind of has the opposite effect. In fact, in 2016, Colorado law enforcement confiscated 7,116 pounds of marijuana, carried out 252 felony arrests, and made 356 highway uh, uh, indirections of marijuana to, just in, in that year. So the problem doesn't go away. And, and unfortunately, 
the arrests in your inner city type locations have gone up. Mm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, let's go to Carrie in Oakland County. Carrie, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Steve. Thank you. Yep, go ahead. Um, I just want to say that in 1999, I suffered a closed head trauma, and um, I'm very fearful of pharmaceuticals. And um, I was reading the side effects of the medication that, um, you know, I, I would have to take to help keep me from going back in the hospital from a bleed in the brain. And uh, I chose marijuana over pharmaceuticals because that felt safer to me. Hmm. Now, it helped me get over the hump. <clears throat> I still use it today. Um, I would rather have my children and my grandchildren smoke marijuana than drink alcohol because I have seen the destruction. You talk about IQ points and intelligence going down in children with, alcohol, with marijuana. I have seen the destruction of physical breakdowns of bodies um, in my family members that have died from alcoholism, liver failure, um, from lifelong drinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I would rather have that legalized marijuana than in my home than alcohol. Yeah. Uh, Carrie, thanks, thanks very much for the call. Uh, yeah, that's a couple perspective of perspective uh, there. Okay. Hold on, Scott. Right b- before you answer, I, I want to yeah. inject just a little from the CDC. Uh, the Centers for D- Disease Control and Prevention says that excessive alcohol use led to approximately 88,000 deaths and 2.5 million years of potential life lost each year in the United States from 2006 to 2010. Uh, meanwhile, the CDC says exactly zero deaths can be directly attributed to marijuana each year since 2015. So uh, if you can address that, that would be great. You bet. Well, first of all, I'm glad that we live in a society where her children and her grandkids aren't forced with a decision of either you drink alcohol or either you you smoke marijuana or eat the the highly potent, unlimited potency uh, uh, marijuana-type stuff that's, that's being sold in legalized states. Fortunately, she's not faced with that choice. Secondly, she brought up some some very important uh, uh, clarification or thing to clarify, which is uh, she used marijuana uh, medicinally, and, and rather people vote yes or no on the recreational, the person who just wants to go out and get high, none of the medical uh, regulations in Michigan will change, whether this passes or not. Medical is completely separate. It has nothing to do with this. So the good care that she received would still be available if people do the responsible thing and and vote no uh, this November on Proposal 18-1. This will not damage or, or change anything with regard to medical use of marijuana. In fact, the argument can be made that it will protect medical marijuana because Currently, people have to go see a doctor, they have to get their card, they have to have those discussions uh, before they uh, can, can use marijuana, they have to get some counseling and what have you. Could you imagine if uh, there's, there's a pot shop in every corner, which, which by the way there would be, especially in inner cities, and you could just walk in and quote unquote self-medicate without any kind of direction, that would be a real danger of, uh, of passing this. Now, now in regards to the CDC, uh, with, with all due respect to them, and I know several people down there, uh, the, the statistic is that, that no one has uh, died overdosing on marijuana. Mm-hmm. So, so you can make that argument, and that's, that's factual to everyone's knowledge, that theoretically no one yet has been, has been noted to have died by taking too much marijuana. But it is absolutely insulting to the parents who've lost children, to the families who've lost loved ones, uh, to say that folks who get high and are behind the wheel and cause an accident killing another family 
uh, uh, the, the, their deaths were not due to uh, marijuana. Marijuana has, has caused and will continue to cause deaths throughout this country and throughout the world. And, and you have to look no further than Colorado and the fact that drugged driving deaths have doubled since they went down this, uh, this path five years ago. So uh, there, there's no question about it. It's, it's an inarguable fact that people do die, uh, unfortunately, far too regularly because of marijuana. And legalizing it will only provide it more for our kids and provide more situations like that in Michigan. Okay, Scott, I appreciate uh, that that uh, that response. Let's go to Charlie in Detroit. He's got a very specific question for Scott. Yep. Charlie, go ahead. Thank you. Um, well, A, uh, I'm going to make it three parts. One real quick. Um, a, will you respect the vote of the people, uh, whichever way it comes out? Obviously, if it comes out your way, I would expect you would. But if it comes out the other way, will you respect that? Um, B, are you contending that uh, marijuana will have anywhere near the ill effects on our society as alcohol has had? Um, people, I guess, have you know accepted the fact that they want alcohol legal. Not sure why. Not sure it's any better. Um, and then B, I think you need to get real. There's pot shops all up and down 8 Mile. Yeah. It doesn't take anything to get a card. You go in and see a doctor. You talk for five minutes. You tell them you got something. They sign off. That's the reality. Hmm. Um, so I'm not really sure. I think it's probably made more of an impact on lessening the black market because people can go and get it legally. They know what they're getting, and it's better, con- what, more well-regulated and controlled. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, I appreciate the call and the comments. Scott, I've got about a minute before break, but sure. I want to get you a chance to respond to that. Thanks very much. Well, first of all, I always respect the vote of the people. However, Sometimes uh, uh, the people are, are a little misguided and a little missold, and certainly this is still a situation where marijuana will be illegal in the United States. Now, if Michigan secedes or if uh, the United States uh, says this is now a state's rights issue, we're going to reclassify marijuana, that would be a completely different situation. But what our state is essentially doing is saying we're going to consider picking and choosing what federal laws we choose to follow. I know that there is uh, uh, some corruption, if you will, in the medical marijuana area. Uh, I know there's lots of pot shops on 8 Mile and in other places in Michigan. But again, those are regulated, overseen very differently than what this 6,500-word ambiguous proposal would allow for. Um, it's, it's a real challenge. So while I'm, while I'm real and I recognize that people have used it for years, uh, and people currently use it for medical that may not necessarily need it for medical reasons, uh, I know that having more of it around, having shops literally on every corner in every community is going to lead to a lot more access for kids, and that's a real problem. Okay, Scott Greenlee, president of Healthy and Productive Michigan, a group that's working to defeat Proposal 1 on the November ballot. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you. Up next, we're going to continue our conversation. We're going to hear from the pro side of Proposal 1, the ballot measure to legalize recreational marijuana here in the state of Michigan. And we want to continue to hear from you. 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. Uh, Conrad in Clarkston, Gene in Oakland County, John on the east side of Detroit, Brett in Ypsilanti. We will get to you next. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking this hour about Proposal 1 on the November 
ballot, which would legalize recreational marijuana use here in the state of Michigan. Already we have legal medical marijuana use. This would make it legal for anyone over the age of 21 to buy, uh, maybe at a store right around the corner from their houses. Uh, We heard in the first segment from Scott Greenlee, who is the president of Healthy and Productive Michigan, a group that is working to defeat Proposal 1. Now we want to Flip the tables and hear from the other side. Barton Morris is a principal attorney with Cannabis Legal Group. He is a supporter of Proposal 1 on the November ballot, and he joins us now to talk about why. Barton, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Very, very happy to be here. So let's start with uh, your best argument for Proposal 1. Why should people vote yes? The prohibition against cannabis uh, that has existed in this country and in this state has failed. It has done nothing more then cause senseless arrests, 20,000 in the state of Michigan every single year, at least last year, 20,000 arrests for most of them for simple possession of marijuana. Uh, and for what reason when it's not doing anybody any good? But the right thing to do is is to regulate it like alcohol. That's what the uh, initiative seeks to do. Regulate the commercial um, distribution, cultivation, uh, and and sale of cannabis, allow people to be, be in possession of it, to grow it in their homes. Uh, this uh, just simply makes sense for a ton of different reasons. One, it'll eliminate these arrests, right? I, I heard Mr. Greenlee say that like nobody's in jail for being in, for, in possession of marijuana. Well, that's absolutely untrue. Yeah. Uh, when people get, uh, and they are disproportionately affected. So just like other crimes, not just marijuana, but like other crimes as well, there are more arrests of African Americans and minorities, right? Those individuals, when they're arrested, not only do they have to be, be arrested and go to jail, that they have to then go back to court and then likely they're going to be fined and then they're going to be uh, placed on probation. And when placed on probation, they'll be put in situations where they have to continue to uh, test for marijuana, test for other things, and then uh, and then potentially go to jail for being in violation of probation. Mm-hmm. That is like a significant, like, uh, it's, a, it's a travesty, uh, first of all. People are going to jail. Secondly, the police... And most police officers that I've talked to, like, like, and I say most, they are, they do not want to waste their time arresting people for possession of marijuana. They have, I mean, there's the the number of arrests for possession of marijuana significantly outweigh all other crimes put together. That is that is an absolutely unbelievable fact to me. So the police, our law enforcement agencies, should be focusing their time and diverting their resources to real crime. Possession of marijuana is not hurting anybody. So, and then the second, the, the I mean, there's many arguments to this, but I think another, the, one of the best arguments is, is to regulate it like alcohol. So then it can be controlled. Right now, the black market is is significantly large with respect to uh, marijuana. By by regulating it, by placing it in in um, dispensaries that are regulated by the state and licensed by the state, it will significantly, and I mean like significantly, decrease the black market, which then would would decrease the ability for minor and others that are it's not intended to to be able to be in possession of marijuana yeah um, uh, one one of the the pushbacks that that the anti side talks about is uh, how to regulate marijuana right uh, and we've seen some trouble in some other states Colorado I think is the one that that most people point to in terms of once you say this is legal, how do you deal with the various sort of ripple effects of, of that legality? In other words, uh, potency, uh, testing, uh, all of those kinds of questions. Uh, Scott Greenlee, who was uh, with us earlier on the show, talked about the 
the no limit to potency uh, that that exists with this proposal. Why shouldn't people be concerned about the way in which we regulate this drug as much as whether to regulate it? Colorado and Washington have had the uh, longest standing regulated markets, right? Mm -hmm. And it's only been a couple of years since Mm -hmm. like 2014. So uh, the implementation of regulation is never going to be perfect, but over time, it's going to it's going to continue to get better. And I'm not even suggesting that it's bad right now. I think Colorado has been very successful in its regulation. Uh, and state of Michigan has been very successful uh, in its beginning to regulate right now. Because as everybody should know, that the regulation of the medical marijuana that, that the state is undertaking right now is going to be the same exact manner that, that recreational adult use marijuana is going to be regulated as well. And with respect to testing, that is one of the most important things about regulation. Up until now, there has never been any type of mandatory testing of any type of cannabis in the state of Michigan until like right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So the testing that is necessary that's going to be required by regulation is going to ensure that people know what, exactly what they're getting. For instance, they're going to know that there's no micro, mi- microbiological contaminants or, or residual pesticides. Uh, or even pesticide materials, no heavy metals. And they're going to know exactly how much THC is in this medicine. Sure, uh, as long as people know that there's a certain, that there's 100 milligrams of THC in an in a, in a, in a, in a, in a edible, then people know that. Then they're able to utilize that, which nobody can die from, by the way. Like mm-hmm. we, I think everybody agrees. Nobody can overdose on THC. Sure, sure. Uh, but when people know exactly what they're getting. But people get sick. Sure, and, and, uh, and, and they get sick for drinking too much water, too. But that's the point. You have to know what you're getting and you have to use it responsibly. So there's going to be label requirements. And these label requirements will detail, in fact, how to responsibly use this, this medicine or, this, uh, or the cannabis in a, rec- in a recreational fashion. Yeah. So that's what has to happen is a better education and uh, a better education and regulation uh, over with, by the states. And that's going to happen over time. But it's certainly better than what we have now. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, again, the, the number on the phones to join the conversation is always 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. No surprise, we've got a lot of folks who want to join in on this subject. Let's start with Marianne in Macomb. Marianne, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Sure. Go ahead. So I'm a nurse. I work for a gastroenterologist. And we have a lot of patients who come in and they are eventually diagnosed with what's called cyclic vomiting syndrome. And it's actually because they smoke pot too much. And they come in with these base symptoms of abdominal pain, nausea, and vomiting. And um, they have gone to countless doctors and they've been referred to a specialist because of this. And the cure is stop smoking pot. And I'm afraid that if marijuana is legalized, that we're going to have these influx of patients who have no idea and PCPs are not aware or primary care physicians are not aware of this. It's only because we've had this research done. As more states are legalizing marijuana, there's been this spike of cyclic vomiting syndrome. And we're become, we as clinicians are becoming more aware of this. Hmm. And I don't think people look at the physical impact of other um, uh, effects 
of marijuana. Yeah, that's... Uh, it, it, it decreases vomiting for those with cancer and, and other, other diseases. But it also, in a healthy person, can induce intractable vomiting when they're... In consuming too much yeah. marijuana. Marianne, I, I, I really appreciate the call and the information. I think uh, both Barton and I jumped immediately to Google as soon as you said, uh, uh, as soon as you said cyclic vomiting syndrome to, to look it up. I had not heard of it uh, before. I'm looking at the Mayo Clinic website to determine, uh, you know, uh, what it is and, and how it works. And it does mention that uh, chronic use of marijuana has been associated with cyclic vomiting syndrome. It says because some people use marijuana to treat their symptoms. It says, however, cannabis can lead to a condition called cannabis hyperemesis uh, syndrome, which typically leads to persistent vomiting without normal intervening periods. So it is, uh, it is mentioned there. It is not mentioned among the principal causes of a cyclic vomiting syndrome, which it talks about a lot of other things. Um, but this question of the health health implications of of marijuana use, uh, what do you say? What do you say to that, Barton? First of all, I think a lot of people like just presume that everybody that's using cannabis is smoking it. Uh, there are a, lots of different ways to do it, right? That's right. There's a lot of different ways. Uh, per, like I know for a fact, there's those that prefer. Uh, in fact, this is increasing that over time, this has become an increasing segment of the market is using um, uh, goods that are either topical in nature or they can be eaten in edibles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, those are things that are regulated just as closely as the smoking materials. There's many people that don't wish to smoke them. And because it, it, I think that it's, it's, it should be obvious to anyone is that inhaling smoke or even vapor could be bad for you. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, that's an individual's choice. Drinking alcohol is bad for you too. Uh, but those that, that there's an option, and that is a very significant option, meaning that there are a plethora of different products, a variety of products for those that wish to ingest their cannabis in, in many different ways. Yeah. Uh, again, Marianne, thanks very much for the call and the info there. Let's go to Brenda in Detroit. Brenda, welcome yes, to Detroit. Good morning. Today. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, I want to say good morning to your guests as well. I have a problem as a voter in this city. I'm kind of confused about the whole situation. One, I thought the medical marijuana, I didn't know that it make you sick, you know, with vomiting and all that. And then uh, the uh, marijuana itself, the city is smelling with marijuana. <laughs> and when you take your children out, you don't want them smelling that. Everywhere you go, you smell it. I have a two-year-old grandson, and... I mean, I don't always like to take him walking. He likes to walk. But everywhere we go, you smell marijuana. That's hmm. not fair hmm. to me or to the children. Hmm. Brenda, uh, I appreciate the call and the comments. I'll say also as somebody who lives in the city, that's up my smell in lots of places. I took my son to a concert last year, and the smell inside the arena was, was I mean, very, very thick with uh, with pot smoke. Um Barton, this gets to, to I think, a, a bigger kind of question, which is sort of a cultural question. In other words, uh, d- do we want to have uh, a, a city or a state where this is sort of normalized to the point where you can't go someplace and not 
have to contend with it. Um, now, I know that there are, there are going to be rules about where you can smoke and things like that um, uh, if this passes. But, but it, it is a change. It is asking those who don't support this to put up with it. Uh, uh, what, do you, what do you say to, to those folks? First, I'd say that the legalization of adult use cannabis is not going to incre- significantly increase the number of those that are using it from today. But will it in- increase the places that we encounter it? No. Uh, so I think this also alludes to the fact that eventually there needs to be uh, and there will be a demand for places where people can safely use it. There should be places that are uh, like bars, right? Sim- similar to that, where those can people can go and people that want to use cannabis and go and use it where they're not disturbing others. Because I agree, I've been going to concerts since I was young in this area, and almost every time, even uh, even concerts you wouldn't even think that were <laughs> that would there would be people using cannabis, but they are uh, in, in inside too. I don't mm-hmm. agree with that, and I don't think anybody that really. Uh, supports this initi- this uh, this legislation uh, agrees with it either, uh, and, but unfortunately, that's the the societal nature of the of the drug that is that we've seen thus far. I think that over time there will be more people using cannabis uh, in its uh, in ingestion form, where they can in, they can ingest it orally. That will of course lead to lead to less people being. Um, uh, smelling it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this also illustrates the fact that there's uh, it's something that Mr. Greenlee said. That, you know, that it's going to be in every corner in every community. That's not true, actually. There's uh, the law, the state law as it is now, and the initiation gives every community the right to be able to regulate it as they see fit. So if they don't want any facilities in their community, if a particular city decided they don't want any, they don't have to have any. Or or if they wanted to have only two and they only wanted them in certain places in their own city, that they can do that too. So when he says that they're just going to be in every corner, that's absolutely true. We, we Absolutely not true. We know of many cities right now that have said, we're not going to have it in our in our city sure. right and, and and that won't change just that's, because nothing's going to change like that. in fact the, the initiation specifies that it specific, specifically says that every city has the ability to decide if they want them how many that they want but the fact is is that with, when there's regulated cannabis there's going to be a decrease in that black market when there's a decrease in the black market then those are people are going to be using uh, that cannabis is going to be doing so in a, in a regulated but also uh, safe uh, fashion, whereas people, you know, right now they're getting it from the black market. They're going to use it as if they're they're work they're getting it from the black market. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about Proposal One on the November ballot, the idea to legalize recreational marijuana here in the state of Michigan. Stay with us, and stay with us on the phones. Brett Nips, Lanny, John on the east side of Detroit, Glenn in Detroit, Conrad and Clarkston, and Lauren. In Detroit, we will try to get to you next. Uh, Also, go to the Facebook page. Put your comments there or to Twitter. And hashtag Detroit Today will work you into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9. WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking this hour about Proposal 1 on the November ballot, which would legalize recreational marijuana here in the state of Michigan for people age 21 and over. What do you think? Should we do that? Should we follow nine other states in legalizing the recreational use of marijuana? Or should we leave the law the way it is, where uh, we have uh, 
medical marijuana use uh, legalized here in the state of Michigan, but recreational use is still against the law. Uh, as always, uh, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. My guest right now is Barton Morris. He's a principal attorney with Cannabis Legal Group, a supporter of Proposal 1. Uh, Barton, uh, you wanted to address something that our previous guest, Scott Greenlee, said about uh, drug driving. He said that uh, since legalization in Colorado, for instance, uh, the instances of drug driving, deaths from drug driving, have gone up. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Opponents of the proposition proposition one often talk about Colorado and the effects that the state has had, especially Mm -hmm. with respect to um, traffic fatalities and Mm -hmm. traffic safety, uh, which is certainly a very important point. As this uh, this initiative demonstrates that there is no that specifically states there should be no uh, driving under the influence of marijuana. That's definitely a crime. But the Department, uh, excuse me, Colorado Department of Transportation, uh, in the limited numbers that they have, because this has only been going on for a couple of years, um, has reported that uh, in 2017 they had 52 cannabis-involved fatalities, uh, but in 2017 they had 35. So there's been a significant reduction in the number of fatalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also a reduction in the number of alcohol-related fatalities because, as has been proven in states uh, with regulated adult-use marijuana, there's less people using alcohol. Uh, alcohol is, I think everybody realizes, is much more dangerous than cannabis, even in driving. And certainly I'm not promoting um, uh, driving under the influence of marijuana, but driving under the influence of alcohol is much more dangerous, causes much more traffic fatalities, and causes a higher... It's far more common, too, right? Uh, right. Um, yeah. Uh, absolutely. So uh, I don't know uh, where Mr. Greenlee was getting his information from, but the Department of Transportation in Colorado um, has... Says it's actually going down. Right. Uh, but one of the concerns is how you prevent drug driving. In other words, if an officer pulls me over and I've been smoking marijuana, how does he know uh, other than my behavior? I mean, obviously, if I'm driving erratically, I could be ticketed uh, for reckless uh, for reckless driving. But, but shouldn't we be able to institute some sort of infrastructure the way, similar to what we do with alcohol, right? Some sort of test to determine who's under the influence and who's not. No, I think that police will understand who's under the influence by observing the behaviors that they exhibit while driving or while uh, being arrested because they can test and do balance and coordination and cognitive test in order to determine, just like alcohol, whether somebody is under the influence. What you're suggesting, is there like a definitive test as far as like a quantification mm-hmm. of how much THC may be in somebody's body, which would uh, equate to intoxication with with marijuana, that's impossible. It doesn't work that way, it, right. It, right? It cannot work that. It's not going to work that way. So, so that then again introduces the idea of police discretion, and we know from the context of the criminal justice system generally that that discretion often cuts uh, more sharply against African Americans than it does other people. Is there a risk, for instance, that uh, we could see uh, officers more frequently decide that African-American drivers seem to be under the influence than other drivers and not have to rely on a test to prove that? 
First, uh, we have to you have to understand that uh, more and more and more these days, uh, officers are recorded and all the activities are being recorded by video um, recording equipment that's in the car and audio recording equipment that's on their persons. I'm a criminal defense attorney and have been have been doing that job for the past 20 years. And I see um, probably 95 percent of every case that we have is accompanied by an audio recording and a video recording. So the police, uh, while using their discretion, also have to do so um, on a video uh, recording equipment. So those are the pieces of equipment that, that they can look at, we can look at, and look at determine whether somebody's driving under the influence or whether they exhibit signs of being under the influence um, by a well-trained police officer who can uh, do the proper tests mm-hmm. to determine whether somebody's in, under the influence. And so I, I, I disagree. The, the discretion is coming less and less and less um, an issue. Uh, it's really just making a determination as to whether somebody's driving under the influence. Just yeah. because somebody used marijuana, by the way, doesn't mean that they're driving unsafely, mm-hmm. right? And it, depending upon the manner of use, the the route of ingestion, and the frequency that somebody uses because um, the tolerance factor becomes a significant, important sure. uh, part of it. So if somebody's a, a frequent um, chronic user, then their ability to drive is less affected than somebody who's a naive user. Yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure I buy into that, but uh, but but I understand. I do understand the sort of science of what you're of what you're saying there. Let's go to Lauren in Detroit. Lauren, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, I wanted to know if people who have been already convicted of marijuana crimes would have their records clear if this proposal has. Right, great question, Lauren. Uh, what would the legal picture look like? This is a fantastic question. It's something that I'm particularly interested in because, unfortunately, uh, the initiative does not automatically eliminate um, marijuana-related We'd convictions. We need some other We need the legislature to right. do it, right? But there are candidates that are running for office right now, particularly with the attorney general and our governor, who support that. Uh, there's those in our, in our uh, legislature in Michigan who support it. There's a bill right now that exists. Uh, in our legislature that says if uh, this proposal passes, then it will allow for the initiation of those that have these offenses on their record going back decades to be able to uh, include that within the, within our uh, expungement statutes. And other states are doing this too. California is doing it, Massachusetts, Washington, uh, Colorado, New York. I mean, this is something that's happening all over the country. And so it needs to happen here too. Uh, it's just, it's not uh, contained within our initiative. It's not part of this initiative, right. but it could be something that follows up uh, if it passes. Right. Yeah. Lauren, thanks very much it for the call be. and the questions. Uh, let's go to Gabrielle in Ann Arbor. Gabrielle, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, Gabrielle, thanks very much for the call and the question. I think I, I think what you're asking is whether it will still be cheaper to buy it on the street than it will uh, in a store uh, through a uh, you know the regulatory process that would be set up. This is a, another question about the black market continuing, I guess, uh, after this might pass. The answer to that question is it probably will be slightly more expensive for those to be able to purchase their cannabis in a store, right? Uh, which makes sense because in a store, it's going to have to go through, when you buy it from a from a regulated uh, market or from the store, uh, it's going to have to be tested, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that a majority of those who wish to use it, either in a recreational or a medical 
uh, situation want to buy it from a store because they know what they're getting is going to be free from pesticides and microbiological contaminants and know what they're getting is what they're getting. They have a, a much larger product selection. Uh, and so and they can buy it in a safe environment that they know that the operators are, are licensed by the state and by the municipality. So even though there might be a slightly higher cost, um, the, um, the benefits to that will significantly outweigh uh, any, any lower cost. In mm -hmm. addition to the fact that this initiative will also allow those to be able to grow 12 plants in their home so that they can, they can, they can make their own at home. Um, but they don't have any ability to be able to sell it to others. That is still prohibited against the law. Right. Uh, Gabrielle, thanks very much for that call and the question. Glenn in Detroit, you're up next. I got about a minute and a half left, but I wanted to squeeze you in here. Thanks very much. Uh -huh. I appreciate it. Appreciate the discussion. I think the whole idea of what we're doing is we're bringing something from the underground to above ground. The whole point you made, we can regulate the purity, we can regulate the strength, we know exactly what we're getting. It's not coming in some kind of transparent plastic bag. We definitely need to reduce the criminal element. Uh, but, and then we have opportunities to regulate it, spend our efforts on regulating it instead of just going after it whole, uh, whole hog. And then, of course, it's the cost issue. Like you said, you can grow it at home. That definitely will reduce the cost. Hmm. Thank you. Okay, Glenn, thank you very much for the call uh, and the comments. Before we uh, end the show, Barton, uh, is this going to pass uh, on November 1st? Well, it's, o it's only going to pass if, one, if a couple things happen. One is that people have to get out and vote, right? If people think that this is just going to automatically pass, then and, and unfortunately we, we can't. We can't just assume that's going to happen. I think that there's overwhelming support for this issue. I think that we're polling at, at, at close to 60 percent. Uh, but if people don't get out and vote, then and we don't know what's going to happen. That's what's most important. Uh, and secondly, I think it's also important to comment on the fact that the state has a lot to to gain from this as well, because the tax revenue can be significant. It's not going to fix all of our problems, but it's certainly uh, several hundred thousand or several hundred million dollars is going to be contributed to the state over the next several years to fix roads and schools and provide additional funds to the communities in which these facilities will will operate. So that's another thing that people uh, it, it's not it's, it's 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 just as important as these other reasons. But these other reasons are what I think a lot of people want to talk about as well. But there will be good money that's be made for the for the state and for these municipalities. Okay, Barton Morris, Principal Attorney with Cannabis Legal Group, supporter of Proposal 1 on the November ballot. Thanks for being here on Detroit Today. Yeah, thank you. Remember to join us tomorrow, Tuesday, October 9th at 6 p.m. at the Anchor Bar in downtown Detroit for Smart Politics. We're going to talk about the upcoming midterm elections and answer any questions you have about candidates, ballot measures, or the political mood in the state and the nation. Again, 6 p.m. tomorrow at the Anchor Bar in downtown Detroit going to do it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.